0: I think I felt very far from God. But when I look back on that time, I think I was probably so, at the end of my rope and praying some really desperate prayers, I think I was probably actually clinging to God more than I did in some of the easier times, because I just felt so desperate of, you know, God, I'm not coping very well, and if you don't help me, I don't think I can do
1: this. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with Him. My guest today is Sherry Floyd. Sherry is a mother of three and has been serving with her husband and family in Papua New Guinea through the Wesleyan Church for over three decades. Sherry shares wisdom gained through her experience of motherhood both abroad and in Australia, from childbirth to homeschooling, and eventually university and beyond. She's made the Word of God her spiritual discipline, and she shares how this has been woven deeply into her motherhood, her prayer life, and her understanding of what God wants from her and for her life. Not only has Sherry been called to trust God in sometimes overwhelming circumstances as a mother, with her ministry responsibilities and just living life, She also shares how God brought about a blessing to their family in circumstances where such a thing seemed impossible. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me in the first place. Oh, it's a real pleasure. You are actually the first mum that we've had on the show who's been involved in missionary work uh, long term, uh, as far as I'm aware, and so it's going to be really interesting to get that perspective on all the things that that we deal with as mothers as well. With that in mind, to get things started, I'd really like to know where you were in your faith before you became a mother. Had you actually started your mission work at that point?
0: Yeah, we had been in Papua New Guinea for uh, what's considered one term of service. So you, you have a bit of a contract with the mission and you go for two years, three years, four years, whatever it is. And then you come back, visit home churches, and then you decide if you feel God calling you to return or not. Mm-hmm. And so we had actually done uh, a three-year cycle and visited home churches. And then we're back in Papua New Guinea for our second term before I
1: became a mum. Right. I guess you didn't, I mean, you, you may have, you know, early on in your faith seen yourself as going into mission work. Was that part of your plan for your life or was that something that just kind of unfolded?
0: I think I had felt drawn to it, but I wasn't the sort of person who knew that, oh, I've got this definite plan and and at age eight, God laid it all out for me. Mm-hmm. I, that just hasn't been my journey with the Lord uh, it seems like God will put a bit of a passion in my heart and then things will gradually unfold. Mm-hmm. But I had been feeling that I wanted to go into missions, probably from late high school,
1: right? okay, yeah, yeah. So it was already the seed was already there because mm. because you mentioned that before you before you um, went out again and and you obviously married and people had suggested to you that it probably wasn't the wisest thing to be a mother in Papua New Guinea, was that the case?
0: That is the case. Mm. Um, some people maybe didn't know a lot about Papua New Guinea but just made the assumption mm-hmm. that only a first world country would be a safe place to have a baby from their perspective. And then some mums who actually knew a bit about Papua New Guinea but maybe had heard the negative stories in the media, mm-hmm. you know, said to me, oh, well, I knew so-and-so and they had this terrible thing happen as a mum.
1: <laughs> people are so helpful, sort of, aren't
0: they? <laughs> yes. Sort of put me off. Um, mm-hmm. but thankfully I had enough experience in the country and had other voices that you know, my own experience and other people's voices told me a different story as well.
1: Right, okay. You had a you had a practical experience as well to back up your your choice to follow the calling. Yeah. Yes. I think I think people yes. don't realise we don't. We don't tend to think in Western culture how you know dangerous childbirth actually is, do we? I mean, things can go wrong wherever you are. That's that's sort of a given. But do you, do you think that your experience um, giving birth in Papua New Guinea, because you gave birth three times, is that right? Twice in Papua New Guinea,
0: and then the start of my third pregnancy was there. But we had already made plans to come down to Australia. Uh, on a certain date before I realized I was pregnant. So although the third pregnancy started in Papua New Guinea, I did give birth in Coffs Harbor for the third.
1: Right. Okay. Did that give you a perspective, a different perspective on the experience or was it yes, startlingly it did. similar? It did. <laughs> <laughs> Because
0: you only know what you have experienced. Hmm. I mean, you sort of know what people tell you, but you only really know what you've experienced. Right. And, um, I sort of felt like I know what I'm doing in Papua New Guinea now. I've had two babies and I know what to expect and I know what to even expect in those early months of their infancy. And then suddenly I'm in Australia and uh, there's more pain relief available, but there are also restrictions that I never expected. So, for instance, I had to use the hospital crib for my newborn to be laying in oh. if I wasn't holding the newborn. But in Papua New Guinea, we put the newborn babies into a string bag, into the billum, right. and carry them around that way. Um, but the nurses in Australia said, I'm sure that works. Like, I'm sure it's fine, but we can't allow you to do that here in an Australian wow. hospital. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were good things about both places.
1: Yeah, yeah. Earlier in this season I was speaking to Jodie McIver who is a midwife and she would written a book about um, uh, God in, in childbirth and um, one of the things that we were looking at there was the sovereignty of God through that whole process. Did you, did you have an experience through, through, through both environments of giving birth? Did you find that that, that was changed, the, the, the notion of God's utter sovereign, th- sovereignty? In the creation and 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 bringing forth of life,
0: uh, pro- probably two things that I would say about the sovereignty of God with childbirth. One would be that I think in the Western world it's a little easier for us to forget that ultimately God is going to be in control, mm. because we have such amazing medical care, and so we have this sense that oh, surely nothing will go wrong. Mm. It'll all be okay. <clears throat> and when it is okay, we probably thank the medical care as much or more than we thank God. I think in Papua New Guinea, maybe mothers are a little more aware of the need of God's protection, His grace, His sovereign care throughout that whole process, because we're a little more aware that, you know, babies don't always survive, mums don't always survive. It doesn't always go as smoothly as we would wish
2: Mm.
0: and very thankful for a healthy child. The second thing would be that my husband and I had decided that we actually just wanted two children. And so we had taken measures that we would not be expecting to have any more children. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then to my surprise, I found out I was expecting my third. And funnily enough, I had just been teaching a health class to future pastor's wives at the Bible college. And in that health class, we had talked about uh, conception, pregnancy, childbirth. And we had also talked about why some people might choose to use various methods of family planning, why some people would not choose. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we explained why people made the decisions, but we said, ultimately, Whatever you decide, if God chooses to bless you with a new life, this is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I'm so surprised when I became <laughs> pregnant with number three, I just thought, you know, it's the truth. Mm. Um, ultimately, God is in charge of yeah. this, and God has a purpose for this child, and we thank him for this
1: new life. Yeah. <laughs> That's a beautiful blessing and confirmation of your teaching, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah just yeah that's lovely oh. <laughs> well, sometimes it's lovely. We'll talk about the blessing of children later <laughs> <laughs> um, but as we as we go forward in your story, something that's come up often in, in my conversations with mums is the feeling when you become a mother it's so can be so overwhelming and all-encompassing that often we feel like we're not doing any of the work for God or with God that we, we used to because the way you are with God changes so significantly. And mm-hmm. um, I was interested in your perspective on this because you also mentioned that you had a season of feeling far from God. You'd been through some very difficult times in Papua New Guinea with various pressures on you, and yet you were still in a position of literally, you know, working for God. Is it possible? My question is that that when you're working for God, you can still feel far from him. Mm, Yeah,
0: that's true. I think, first of all, we can tell ourselves that um, unless it's a public ministry for God, that it doesn't count. Mm. If other people aren't noticing it, sometimes we feel like we're not doing all that we should. The season that you mentioned and that I was thinking about It was just a perfect storm of a number of things. My husband is a builder, and so we follow the building jobs at times. I mean, building jobs can't come to you. You have to go to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're living in a place where uh, we don't have electricity or it's just on for a couple of hours at night when the generator runs. And so I was in a situation where I was having to either... Do the laundry by hand, or get it done quickly for an in an hour or two. Mm -hmm. When the generator was on, and I was cooking on an old slow combustion stove, and I was doing New South Wales distance education with three boys who were not always the most eager students, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) And we had also gone through a period where it seemed like a lot of the violence that you hear about in PNG really surrounded us. It was Mm -hmm. touching people we knew, people we loved, or we had witnessed it. And I was not sleeping well. So you can just imagine, put all those things together, and I think I felt very far from God. Mm. But when I look back on that time, I think I was probably so at the end of my rope and praying some really desperate prayers. Mm. I think I was probably actually clinging to God more than I did in some of the easier times because I just felt so desperate of, you know, God, I'm not coping very well and if you don't help me, I don't think I can do
1: this. Yeah. It forces you into honesty, doesn't it? I mean, my husband Mm. said to me, he said, Mm -hmm. Tanya, actually sometimes I think you need to pray more honestly. I mean, it it was that brutal really. He said, just tell God exactly how you feel, even if you think he'd be shocked by it, you know, which of course he's mm. not going to be mm. but but you know a, a few times I've been able to sort of will myself into doing that and it's it's a much it's actually a much better way to pray because you're letting him in aren't you that's right yeah yeah you gave a beautiful scripture actually that I wanted to mention here it was Isaiah forty nine fifteen, because you you said at this time you started to become really aware of God in mothering images through the scriptures mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. says can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb even these may forget yet i will not forget you and um you know it's i think motherhood really brings it home it's at some point or other doesn't it how perfect a parent god is that, that his love is yes is even greater than than what we feel for our own children
0: that's right you th- you think how much we love our children and even when they're doing things that concern us or they're frustrating us or they just talk too much, whatever the point is, and we get quite worried about them or we just wish they'd leave us alone for five minutes or whatever (laughs) else. Um, And yet we love our kids so much, you know, Mm. we just do anything for them and then to think... Even if it was possible that I might forget my children, and it's not, Mm. but even if it were possible, God's just so beyond that. Yeah, in the way He loves us, He would never forget us.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a deeply comforting experience, isn't it? It's almost, you know, you have to go through Mm. that. All of that annoying stuff <laughs> to get this, this <laughs> wonderful blessing out of that to realise how much God really loves you. And that that brings us to the next point of having faith in God's plan for them because it's hard enough, isn't it, at times for, for us to trust him with our plan. Although I'm starting to see some... Um, it was, um, e. Stanley Jones said that mm-hmm. Jesus... Is the ultimate sanity and all through this this podcast I've been starting to realize how little I know myself and how insane it is to take the control of my life out of God's hands who knows me utterly he should be controlling everything because he Mm. he knows me and he knows exactly what I'm gonna do but there is a catch in my heart when I think about those I love the most and thinking, oh, I mean, it's it's a mothering instinct, isn't it, to protect your children? Did you find even even to protect them from God, if that were sensible, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think in a way, you feel like God's not going to make it all right in the way you would wish, or as quickly as you would wish. Mm. And so, you would like to make it all right yourself. Yeah. I. Th- Find sometimes when I'm praying about my kids, it's very easy for me to slip into advising God <laughs> and briefing him <laughs> on the situation and advising him as to yeah. how he should handle. It. And it's a it's a different thing to just turn them over to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I had such a wise mother-in-law, and she told me once she was quite concerned about her young adult children and she was praying for one of them in particular and the Lord just spoke to her and said I can't do what I want to do in that child's life if you don't get out of the way
1: right yeah
0: and it was just such a wake up to her and I've often thought of that it's such good advice from my mother-in-law.
1: Mm. I've thought about that too because I've I've travelled away from my family, and and don't get me wrong, I love I love my family. I love my parents very much, and I there was no reason for me to leave them or anything like that. But but I do sometimes reflect on my life and wonder where I would be if I had stayed. You know, would it have would it have gone the same way? Because there was such a lot that I learned from being away from my family. And I, and I, you know, look at that with trepidation now because I wonder if, you know, at some point God's going to have to pull me out of their life as well, you know. <laughs> I hope not all the way.
0: <laughs> but I think when they get to certain ages or just certain things happen to them, even when they're younger, that we can't control, it's just a good reminder that really we do have to turn them over to the Lord in the end.
1: Mm, yeah well you I mean I didn't ask whether you'd perceive this or not whether you'd sort of chosen to pursue the kingdom over uh, the sort of physical concerns of life when you decided to become a mama in Papua New Guinea but it but it comes up again in your story because you were also advised that your children wouldn't get an adequate education if you were bringing them up in Papua New Guinea but as you've pointed out that's not the case, is it?
0: Yeah, I actually, again, helpful people <laughs> <laughs> told me that if you raise your children in Papua New Guinea, they'll be so behind compared to American or Australian children of the same age and they just won't keep up academically and, and you won't be able to provide the music lessons that you might have access to or you won't be able to enroll them in the sport that you would be able to and they'll really miss out. Mm. and you hear enough of that and you start to doubt because don't you think that we mums can tend to doubt ourselves anyway oh. and doubt that we're doing the best for our kids no All matter what?
1: All the time. No matter what yeah. choice you make, someone will, will, you know, make you question whether that was the right one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And so, so you know, it's just doubled up in my situation because I was, I was teaching the kids at home not out of a big philosophical thing but mm. just out of... If I wanted to prepare my children for returning to their passport countries, they would need a certain kind of education that was not available where we were. And so we did New South Wales distance education. But, you know, just praise God, he gave us the strength, he set up our family dynamics the way we are, put a certain kind of brain wiring in our heads, whatever. Anyway, it's it's all thanks to the Lord. But... All three boys have made it to university. Yeah. So two have now finished university and are working in the fields that they, or close enough to the fields they study. And the third one has just started university this year.
1: Yeah. I see. There you go. It brings up a point too. I think a lot of people struggle with knowing what God's will for their life is, and it can get you kind of hamstrung if you can't make any decisions because you can't figure out what he would want you to do but there really is there really is an element of you know being a mother you make any any thousand number of of decisions tiny decisions every day don't you that impact your whole family And you don't have a chance to consider if these are the best ways forward. Sometimes you just have to make a choice and go, you know, and your children Mm. propel you into that often (laughs) and surprisingly. But um, do you find that there is an element of just having to take action sometimes? You just have to go, don't you? Yes, you do.
0: Because as you say, sometimes it's just quick and you don't have three days to fast and pray. You've got to decide in 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And then other times, I have found at least that I don't have a clear word from the Lord. I don't, again, I don't seem to be one of these people who gets the heavenly telegram that spells it out exactly in an mm-hmm. instant. And so you have to think well, God has given me certain experiences and He's given me a certain range of intelligence and a sense of what's good for my child. And so I'm going to have to make a decision and trust that the grace of God is going to fill in the gaps where I don't always get it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a lot more to Jonah than this obviously, but but there's an element of that that I take comfort in is that, you know, if you really if God really wants you to go somewhere, then you will go, you know. Maybe there is um, some flexibility in how we go and, and obviously our intentions as we do it but um, I'm not going to thwart his plan am I
0: yeah I wonder if our I wonder if a single bad decision on our part is really powerful enough mm. to upset all of God's good plans yeah for our lives
1: yeah, yeah. you mentioned that your prayer that your prayers had, had become more desperate as motherhood ensued but your prayers changed as you as your children grew. And I found this really interesting, and um, I haven't quite. My children perhaps aren't quite old enough for me to have touched on this yet, but it did resonate with me when you said that you began to plead Scripture more and more for your children, and wrestle with the tension between verses in the Bible as it pertains to your children's faith. And I can see how that would be. Mm -hmm. That would be a question. You've you've compared Proverbs twenty two six start children off in the way they should go and even when they're old they will not turn from it and then you put that with Ezekiel eighteen twenty: the one who sins is the one who will die the child will not share the guilt of the parent nor the parent share the guilt of the child and so on and Romans 14 12 2 Peter 3 9 just those those differences of looking at how someone's faith is going to unfold and, and what God says about you know whether it's I think it seems to me that what you were trying to say was whether it falls to you, the responsibility, or whether it falls solely to them to make those choices.
0: That's exactly right. And, and I think when your children are smaller, you have such an ability to almost physically control them.
2: Mm.
0: I don't mean that you're literally holding them down, but... Um, you're just so aware of their bath time and their bedtime and, and what they're eating and who they're having time to play with. And you're just so much more in control of their lives. Mm. And then as they become teenagers and young adults, even if you're teaching them at home, as I had to do with uh, distance education, you they start to do sleepovers and they go off and talk to their friends more, and they leave home, all these things, and you become less and less aware of those little day-to-day things Mm. and what's happening in their life. So you have less control, and you're also less aware. And yet you also know that at that age and stage, that teenage young adult, they're making some huge decisions Mm. that can have such an impact on their future. And I think that's where I really began to plead Scripture more in my prayers for my children because mm. I didn't always know, oh, God, I think they've got a fever. You know, could you please touch their illness? Or, or, God, I saw that little kid be really mean to them today when they were playing. I didn't always know those things. Mm. And so I began to plead Scripture. And then, of course, when you're raising your kids, I think especially in church circles, or at least the church circles I was in, You'd hear these scriptures raise them up in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. And and as if that was a guarantee, you would never they would never have a struggle with their faith.
2: Yeah.
0: Never mind that my parents raised me in the way I should go. And I still had to struggle yeah. and come, <laughs> come to some conclusions with faith. Yeah. Yeah. So when I worried about my kids, how were they going with their faith? Then I would just pray prayers like, you know. God, you said that it's not your will that anyone should perish, mm. and so I'm just praying this for my child, that I want them to know you, and I want them to always walk with you, and and I don't want them to live life without you. You know, yeah. just I might not know what's going on with my children, but God does. Yeah. And so his scripture holds and his scripture applies. Mm.
1: I think that's a really helpful point because um, surely lots of people are in situations where they don't know exactly what to pray. But that doesn't mean we can't pray because we have his word right in front of us. I think mm. I think that's a really helpful, a helpful point. My children are so small at the moment. But my, my eldest has started going to school and she's recently come into contact with with kids who are exposed to different things than, than what I would want her to be exposed to. So from my perspective, it's, it's a question of trying to protect her from what she may be exposed to. But from, from later on, it's it's the perspective of trying to protect them from what they're going to start exploring, isn't it? Is that the shift mm-hmm. that takes place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you have no idea yeah. how far they're going to go, do you, really?
0: No. And we want to protect our children. And certainly that we don't want them exposed to things when they're not ready to handle it. Mm. But then we also want to be so wise when they get older, that perhaps they've had a little bit of exposure to a few things. So they've been able to process it with me Mm -hmm. and their father while they're still at home. Mm rather than them not be at all equipped or aware of some of the things they're going to face. And it's such a balance, isn't it? Mm. And I I would suggest that my parents didn't always get it right with me and I didn't always get it right with my mm. children. I don't think anybody will, but I've talked to my adult children a fair bit about did we – Did we do the best with the knowledge that we had at the time? Hmm. And I think that's the best any of us can do. And then, again, we go back to trusting God's grace to fill in the gaps. Yeah. For those things that we missed or the time that we were perhaps too protective or too permissive, we trust that God's grace comes in.
1: Yeah, that's right. In, in the scope of all of that, and we've talked about it a little bit when we were talking about um, getting to a point where you were feeling far from God and things were getting beyond manageable, God showed you that there were practical things to be done to assist that. You mentioned that there were some, some practical things you could be doing to cope. How did mm. God show that to you?
0: Sometimes it was the wisdom of older missionary mums who had been there before. Mm. You know, we we've chuckled about the people who give helpful advice and sometimes it's not so helpful. But on the other hand, there's just nothing that quite compares to someone who says, oh, yes, I've been there. I know exactly yeah. what you're feeling. And mm. and this is something that worked for me, maybe it will work for you. Mm. There's something very comforting about that to know that you're not the first one who ever struggled. Yeah. And one thing that was a turning point for me is we were down in Australia for a visit. We were in my husband's hometown, and we went to church on a Sunday, and the pastor was going through a series of Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Mm -hmm. And he was, I don't know how many weeks he spent on it. I was only there for a week. But the week I was there, he was talking about, um, I think it's verses, let me see, four and five, where it says, love is patient, love is kind. And then in verse five, it says, and love is not easily angered. Mm and i felt that a lot of my not coping was coming out in me not being patient with my children because i was feeling so overwhelmed mm. and me not being as kind to my children mm. as i should be because i was feeling overwhelmed and probably getting angry more quickly
2: mm.
0: with my children
2: yeah.
0: because i was feeling overwhelmed anyway the pastor made the the pastor made the point that if someone was struggling with temptation to stray from their marriage, or if someone was struggling with a gambling addiction or someone was struggling with you know any number of things and they kept falling into that same situation over and over, he would advise them, well, come on, take some steps to mm-hmm. not put yourself back in that situation. Don't just keep doing everything the same that you've always done it and expect this to get better. Right. And I was really struck by that sermon that, as a mum, it was just as important for me to be patient and kind and not easily angered Mm. as it was for me to not gamble our family's money away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I began to think about okay, God, could you show me? And I thought about what other older mothers had shared with me. Could you show me the things that will help me to feel like I can cope so I can be the patient, kind, not easily angered mother? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was things like getting a bit more regular exercise, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: trying to find a way to get away from the kids for 20 minutes and have a really brisk walk out in the fresh air, Yeah. prioritise sleep, because I wasn't sleeping well, but of course really? that makes you cranky. Hmm. And then I think when you're cranky, you're more prone to worry and you don't sleep well. Anyway, I needed to prioritise my sleep. Making time for cups of tea with my husband. Hmm. A wise mission counsellor had told me once that if your marriage is really steady and happy, you can weather an awful lot of things. Yeah. And so I thought, yeah, because we're in, we're in Mount Hagen, Papua New Guinea, so we're not going to go out
1: to the movies. No. <laughs> not an option. Yeah.
0: But for us, it was making
1: times for cups of tea.
0: Yeah. You know, listening to music to relax, just I needed to find the things that would help me to behave in the way that Christ wants me to behave, mm. to make it possible to be patient and kind.
1: Yeah, yeah. That I've had a similar experience because I i i wouldn't say i struggle with anger but i i do get angry i'm I'm quite a temper and and i'm always always regret getting angry with my kids it's never it's never pretty and and i was reading a a sermon by john wesley and it cut me to the heart in the very in a very similar way that that i realized what he was saying was if you if you are doing these things then you aren't by default you are not loving and I just it blew my mind to think when I am like that I'm not loving my children it was horrifying actually I couldn't I couldn't bear the thought of it actually it was very very upsetting but but you're absolutely right you have to you have to find physical ways to cope and that's something I've been exploring lately especially looking at at different kinds of disciplines because we tend to to think that the spirit is separate from the body and the body is this vile thing that we just as soon as we're rid of it it'll be great you know but actually i'm starting to see that the body is a tool uh, you know not just a tool but a cherished tool to aid my spiritual growth and to help my spirit my, my relationship my spiritual relationship with god to flourish and we can you know it's okay to to use the body for that purpose isn't it
0: that's right. I think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And it's a good thing for us to be filled with love, joy, and peace. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And so to me, that says a lot about how I'm using my time and how I move my body, what I put into my body. <laughs> um, self-control seems to cover that quite quite directly. Mm.
1: yeah, yeah. well, it's it's the speed of motherhood too, isn't it? That doesn't help when because um, things do tend to accumulate with speed. if you if you let one thing go, then all the dominoes just fall. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, you just have to sit in a pile of dominoes. there's <laughs> there's no way out. <laughs> um, one of the disciplines that you mentioned was scripture. And that's very evident from the way that you wrote that it was, it's been your your main avenue for for your relationship with God. Would that be right?
0: I think so. Sunday with other people is always powerful, mm. and I do find that I meet God there. But that's not something that I can do every day. Especially as a mom, being part of corporate worship is is not um, something I can do daily. Mm. So when I'm on my own. I find studying scripture to probably be the easiest of the spiritual disciplines hmm. for me.
1: And does it? I mean, does that take a form of worship for you? Yeah, I
0: sometimes I sometimes would not have been moved to worship if I hadn't first been reading the scripture. Hmm. And then that would move me to worship God in ways that uh, wouldn't have occurred throughout my week naturally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because we get a bit hung up on worship too, that it has to be done in a certain way, but it's not the case, is it? What is worship for you?
0: Worship for me is not just specifically singing or specifically doing certain things, although there are spiritual disciplines that certainly position us where we're most likely to encounter God Mm. and all into real worship but for me it's sometimes reading scripture and then being so moved by what I've read sometimes it would be purposely listening to music but I can also remember one time I think the youngest was yes the youngest was less than a year old and we were Visiting supporting churches, so we weren't in Papua New Guinea, and we were driving down the road in a van while my husband was driving, and the two older kids were doing what kids do in the back seat, you know. You're saying, Mm. "Stop that! Be quiet! (laughs) Don't (laughs) don't do that!" And and the little ones in his in his uh, car seat, you know, a bit grizzly or whatever. And then I just noticed that it came on the radio, the Christian radio station. It was. And that song, Here I Am to Worship, Here I Am to Bow Down. And I had probably heard that song many other times when we were traveling in the van. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit just brought it to my attention that day. And I just had a couple of minutes there in the van where I was just so aware of God's presence. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, worship is those moments when I'm really aware Mm. Of God's presence. Yeah. Whether it comes through music or a sermon or reading or or whatever else, but that that real awareness that God is with me. Mm.
1: Actually, his I mean, not to be trite, but his power is really evident, isn't he? not it when he comes in over the top of your children? Because <laughs> <laughs> mother, I mean, I never realized as a mother the 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 range and repertoire of my children's annoying sounds. <laughs> it's just <laughs> But, I mean, it's, it's, he's so obvious, isn't he, when he comes in over the top of things and you're just, yes, it's such a relief to feel him with you, isn't it? It's a joyful mm-hmm. relief, yeah. Going back to, to the scriptures with you, you, you talked about how there were times where you, you got to know more about God because you would say things to your children like obey this now and trust us. That, that this is going to be something good for you. And I've, I mean I know my kids are only small, but I do find myself frequently moralizing as well, uh, probably pointlessly. but so much of the scripture I've read over the years, I find it coming out of my mouth with a fresh understanding because I'm now I'm now teaching it. but I do think, and people say, "Oh, I don't, I don't spend much time with the Bible," you know. Do you think you're missing out if you're teaching your children and you don't have that access to His Word all the time? There's a blessing, isn't there, as you as you're just living through life with it that you weren't expecting by by teaching your children of seeing it in a fresh way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because I have been such a reader of scripture over the years, I've been amazed at the times that either a portion of a verse that I hadn't specially memorized, but just a portion of a verse that Mm. was pertinent comes out of my mouth. Mm. And then I would think to myself, now, where is that? And I could go find it, but it wasn't as if I had memorized it, but just because I'd been reading so much, it was something that the Holy Spirit could bring to mind with my kids. And then as it would come out of my mouth, I would find myself then reflecting
2: Mm.
0: back. You touched on it earlier, some of the things I might say to my kids about, you know, just obey me or trust us. Uh, One thing that I would often say to them is sometimes you're just in a hurry and you don't have time to explain exactly why. Mm. And so I would say to my kids, just obey me now and you can ask questions later. Mm. And then it seemed like God would turn it around later, maybe the next day or an hour later, (laughs) and say to me, you know, Sherry, sometimes I just need you to obey. And then later it will become clear as to why Mm. I'm asking you to do this. Or sometimes the kids would just be keen for a lot of things. Mm. And perhaps they didn't realize what our whole plans were for the day and we hadn't had time to tell them again. And I would say to them, look, just trust us to do something good for you. Yeah. And again, God would turn that one around to me and say, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it may not always look like I've got something good planned for you, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. You said a word there and it pinged in my brain. You said when you're in a rush, because I think about this a lot, rushing God's plan because I'm always I'm always in a rush. not only am I a deeply disobedient person but I'm also very impatient and um, I've tried really hard to trust him on a daily basis recently to just let the day unfold and trust that there is time for everything mm. that needs to be done. you know maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to do but but he'll make time for the things that need to be done for the day to flow and it occurs to me when you're talking about your worship experience in the car the other part of your life is that you've you've probably at times really had to rely on God's good plan for your family in ways that you know people living here probably you know just the just the general life wouldn't have to rel- or wouldn't be aware of having to rely on God would that be right
0: I think that could be true. Um, My sister-in-law lived in Pakistan for 10 years. And she said, coming back to Australia, she was aware that um, in the Western world, we don't necessarily have to rely on God because we think we already live in a safe place and it's all under control and we can control it and we can schedule it and we can whatever Mm -hmm. but in a lot of the rest of the world in the majority world sometimes you just have to see how the day unfolds yeah and you can't control the schedule or you can't control safety or or whatever else and yeah i think that's a possibility my sister-in-law said that in some ways she found it easier to share her faith in pakistan because the people where she was living and working seemed quite aware that they needed supernatural help. Mm. But she found the average Aussie in her workplace in Cops Harbour didn't necessarily realise that mm. they needed supernatural help.
2: Mm.
0: They thought that they were in control of their day.
1: Mm. Do you think there's an element there, just going back to the body, the fact that we can if we have a need we can just go and consume and fulfill it so quickly that we don't really have to rely on god it's Mm. not not just the the illusion of safety but we actually can just go and get whatever it is straight away or get someone to bring it to us even
0: yeah or even the amount of food that we can store in our house and have in our fridge Mm. but if you're living a very different kind of a life with perhaps no refrigeration and you have to garden to get your food, you probably have a different sense of God supplying my daily needs or Mm. me having my daily bread or daily food provided.
1: Yeah. I often thought about that when I was sleep-deprived when the kids were younger, although my youngest got us up at 4.40 this morning. Was delightful, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Ruth Bell Graham she she wrote it in a journal entry that she couldn't sleep and she was worried about it, but she knew that God knew how much sleep she needed, and I I always think about that now when I'm not getting enough sleep that it must be okay because God knows how much rest I need to get through the next day. Does that ring true for you as well? Yeah,
0: when it's something that's under my control as to how much i'm sleeping then yes that becomes a self-control issue but when you have a child who's ill or they're just frightened and they crawl into bed with you at 4 30 a.m or whatever it might be then that's not really in your control and that's part of being a mom and you do have to trust that god's going to give me enough energy for what I have to do today or he's going to give me enough time or he'll bring along the help that I need. And if I can't get everything done on my to-do list, then maybe it's time to think about, did God call me to do all of that? Mm -hmm. Ruth Bell Graham is one of my favorites as well. And one of the quotes that I love from her is she said, God does not promise strength for uncommanded work. If he's not asking me to do it, he's not necessarily obliged to give me the strength for it.
1: That's really interesting. That forces you to really assess what you're filling your day with, doesn't it? mm mm-hmm. Fascinating. Well, those are all my questions, and I am so grateful that you came and and shared some of your story with me and, and brought up some really great points. It's just been such a delight to talk to you. I'm so grateful. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. And I appreciate your thoughtfulness, the kinds of questions you're asking and, and what you're wanting to do with this podcast. Any time that mums can feel encouraged in their journey and especially to be pointed back to our Heavenly Father and to rely on the spiritual disciplines, that's, that's
1: always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in it all. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. If you've been impacted by this show, I encourage you to share the news with others. Subscribe to us on Facebook and Instagram to help spread the word about the show. Those who've known God in motherhood and what it is to walk with Christ have enormous scope to support those who are younger in the way. Please consider if you can share your experience of discipleship and contact the show. In the meantime... Be encouraged, friend, and remember the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.